0: Welcome back to Respect the Dead, the podcast where we we just love to be in love. <laughs> <laughs> we we love Valentine's it's a it's a Valentine's Day episode, everybody. Sweaty. It's no surprise that everyone celebrated your demise and now. Worms are eating your eyes, so don't you worry your rotting head. As you sleep in your sodden bed, it's time to respect the dead. Welcome back to Respect the Dead. I'm Hoots. I'm Kaylin. And I'm Mandy. The story I'm going to tell you today is sort of like a fairy tale come to life. There's a swashbuckling duke. There's a wicked stepmother, technically a wicked mother-in-law and a fortune teller's curse uh true love and a princess imprisoned in a castle Ooh, yeah and i i'm such a professional i'm just realizing that i didn't open it on oh my, my god i
1: thought you were picking up a story <laughs> no
2: you're i just so need to open it on my- getting under a blanket it's like <laughs> tell us a story mama hoots <laughs> i'm like so excited for like
1: the drag drag queen story time but it's like double story hour <laughs>
3: double story dumb horse time with story time
0: no it's just been it's been so long since we've done this that i forgot that i usually read off of my ipad so that i can look at you guys and not have you in another tab and i was like why can't i see
3: their faces
0: uh, all right well This is just going to get worse because I'm drinking weed tea right now. So I'm just going to slowly get high as we're doing this. And um, uh, so my attention to detail is going to get worse. Um,
1: (laughs) That's amazing. And we also need to like rebrand as dumb horse story hour.
0: (laughs) Dumb horse story hour. Welcome back to Respect the Dead. Your dumb horse story hour.
1: (laughs) No, that's good.
0: Our story begins with a man named George William, who was next in line to become the Duke of Hanover. And right at the gate, I'm sending you a picture of George William because, Kaylin, I knew you were going (laughs) to ask.
1: I'm also needing to know what the fuck a Hanover is.
0: It's a place in Germany. What is now Germany? Back then, it wasn't (laughs) Germany.
2: Oh. (coughs) Oh my
1: God. This man? I love his curls. Looks like Lillian from Kimmy (laughs) Schmidt. Hold on, I'm I'm sending you that Carol Kane.
0: Does he? I mean, I guess maybe it's
1: just the
2: hair,
0: <laughs> uh, curls, lots of curls, lots lot of, of curls. curls. There are a lot of curls. Wigs with curls were like a big deal back then. Like now we nowadays we're into ombre. Back then they were like curls, please.
2: They were like perms.
1: Um, but I do love him. Mm-hmm.
0: All perms all the time. Yeah, he does kind of look like her. <laughs> Oh, although I guess I kind of see it.
1: They both look like
0: landlords. <laughs> they and they are. Yes. They're
3: both landlords.
2: <laughs> I I also like that you specifically shows a picture where the the, the
0: caption is and my hair looks like beautiful spaghetti. <laughs> I don't know if that was intentional. It was. was that it straight? was. <laughs> okay. Beautiful, Not beautiful, beautiful, Kaylin sitting there tapping out beautiful spaghetti. <laughs> Lillian said, <sent. laughs> Kimmy Schmidt. <laughs> Tap, tap, uh, tap, I, tap. I'm also going to like, um, just a note right out the gate. There are lots of Georges and Sophias and Ernsts and Eleanors in this story. So from now on, I'm going to be referring to George William by my nickname for him, which is G Wills.
1: <laughs> I love it. And now I'm even more attracted to him.
0: G Wills, G Wills with the curly hair.
1: Oh, yeah. G Wills with the curly uh, hair. I do love
0: a fanboy. Yeah. I mean, he was pretty. Mm, who doesn't?
2: Uh, it does feel like people from history needed those um, those baby name dictionaries.
0: Yeah, they those were like, they were very uncreative. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. we're They're all making uncreative. fun of
1: the McHalins yeah. and the, oh, that's just my name. Now that I say it out loud.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but, like, <laughs> but it's spelled so differently. <laughs> but like back then,
2: like everybody was
1: Michaelin named James for like 300 years.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. James, Edward, or George? Ironically, <laughs> I don't think
0: there's a single James in this in this episode, but there's a lot of George. I feel James.
1: like the Jameses were like a hundred years before that. <laughs>
0: I think the Jameses George. were another co- uh, country because these are
3: Germans. Oh, okay. We're talking about Germans, oh right. So
0: it's not right. technically George; it's Georg. But I'm not going to yeah. say uh, Georg. Why the like, fuck not? <laughs> it sounds like it sounds. <laughs> Georg. First of all, it sounds like I'm trying to do a G- German accent, and second of all, it sounds like the Georg. <laughs>
1: um, yes.
2: So the C-org. which is. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, coming out with a new video called <laughs> Are Scientologist Gay," <laughs>
0: and then the, <laughs> the 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 lettering in the in the thumbnail is just like "Gay or?" Question mark? Question mark? Question mark. And you're like, "Oh,
2: <laughs> no!" You're doing the turb point thing,
3: the, like, oh, oh, the like soy face." The <laughs> <thing>. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so. As is always the catch with nobility, uh, this also meant – because he was a – I have to go back because it's been so long. (laughs) He was about to become the Duke of Hanover. Okay. So as is always the catch with nobility, this also meant that he would have to enter into a diplomatic marriage with a bride that was chosen for for him by his parents. In G. Will's case, he was betrothed to Princess Sophia of the Palatinate, which – is just another region of Germany. We're talking about a bunch of Germans before Germany was Germany. And that is Princess Sophia. Here she is. Oh,
2: she pretty.
0: She's very pretty. Uh, uh, George William G. Wells did not agree with us, but I think she's gorgeous. I don't think she's pretty. Okay, we've we've got a split jury here. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> I just I just don't like her hair uh her like I don't care
0: enough to argue
3: piece. about it.
2: I'm like, okay, No, whatever. Mandy, this matters to me I so just much. I want more from her. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, um you're
3: wrong, you dumb whore. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay.
0: Wow. Wow. Canceled. Mainly Mandy called me a dumb whore, a thing I call myself.
1: Attacking hoots on what?
2: valentine's
1: <laughs> week sorry
0: i thought we love love on this podcast
2: <laughs> we do i apologize i will do better i will make up for the my sins
1: i love love too but they couldn't have painted some eyelashes on homegirl <laughs> like if it's not acceptable for me it's not acceptable for her that's
0: that's actually a <laughs> valid like a special question. privileges
1: because she's a duchess i think that's
0: a valid <laughs> question because like <laughs> could they have painted eyelashes on them back then i guess on the painting well, you yeah. Don't know.
1: I, I'm, I mean, yeah i meant like on the painting. i was
0: thinking on like, her face that's so
1: hateful. Like
2: oh her, yeah that's what i was thinking too I her was thinking eyes are like bald.
0: <laughs> oh old bald eyes maybe that was the the fashion back then that's
1: the look she ne- got them plucked naked mole rat eyelids
0: <laughs> Yeah. Oh my god, like the Julia Fox of of the seventeenth yeah. century was rocking a bald eye. <laughs> Sophia of the Palatinate was G. Wills's opposite in every way. She was a humorless intellectual who read philosophy and obsessed over English royalty and English conventions because she was distantly related to some members of English nobility. And honestly, as someone who never shuts up about being part Finnish, can relate. <laughs> G. Wills was not a serious intellectual. He was a bit of a romantic who liked to party. So to get out of this ill-fitted love match, he ceded his inheritance to his younger brother, Ernst August, so that Ernst would have to marry Sophia of the Palatinate instead. So like he just made an agreement with his younger brother, like, look, if you take her off my hands, you can have all my shit. And Ernst is like, sounds like a good deal. Love that. Love that for me. (laughs) But also as part of that trade, Ernst August persuaded G. Wills to sign a document promising that he would never marry and produce rival heirs to Ernst and Sophia's children. So he's like, all right, all right. Yeah, I'll do it for you. But we got to make sure that my kids inherit what I have and that you don't like come back like, well, my kids are still first in line to the throne, you know? Right, right. Um, well, technically.
1: These babies yeah. are going to be Nepo babies. <laughs> yeah,
2: I'm sorry. It just, I just always, I always giggle at the term nepo babies cuz it sounds like yeah. a medical diagnosis.
0: <laughs> I think it I think it sounds like neko wafers. You know those like awful candies? Yeah. You wouldn't eat those. No, you wouldn't eat a nepo baby either.
2: No, you. <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean,
0: we it depends so, we on do... how hot the nepo baby is. <laughs> I want some of that nepo cash. <laughs> So G. Wills is like fine, great, like I don't want to get married uh, and have children anyway, like hashtag child free. <laughs> um, and for several years, he just spends his time and his money bouncing around Europe, patronizing sex workers and brothels and partying at Venice's annual carnival, just living his best second in line life, <laughs> you know. Mm
1: -hmm. When you said patronizing sex workers, I just like pictured him there being like, oh, yeah, that's your favorite band to name three songs by them.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Just
0: just paying sex workers to be super condescending to them for an hour. To be fair, I think that's half of what sex work is just putting up with guys (laughs) being super condescending to you for a couple of hours. I think that's probably the hardest part of the job, right? It's like it's like
2: three what three guys on a harp somewhere. There's like how many bands were they back
0: then? <laughs> just three guys on a harp. I don't know. how many bands harp. were there back
2: then.
1: <laughs> the band. There was one band was in one the band. town. Like oh, you're you're friend.
2: <laughs> and then they were just literally called the band. <laughs> and Then they needed to come up with a name.
1: It was like the Hanover version of Hanson. Yeah. It's like name all three of the girls in Hanson. <laughs> <laughs> like
0: Hanson. Hansen. <laughs> (laughs) Yes. Name all three of the girls in Hansen. (laughs) I already forgot that I was gonna send you guys a picture of Ernst August as well. So we're gonna see Ernst. Oh, Oh, and you're gonna love Ernst.
2: So you saw totally get confused by all You saw his
0: older brother, G. Wills. Now here's the younger brother. He looks like shit. Okay. Oh, no, honey. <laughs> you
1: don't- oh, my God. It looks like he's <laughs> popping out of a dog.
0: Uh, all of these pictures will be on our Instagram <laughs> if you what want to follow is along. <laughs> this, sweaty? Honey, you don't
2: need to shampoo and condition That is one day. piece of hair
1: <laughs> just draped like, over him. Like
0: a blanket. He li- <laughs> it's like a shag Look rug. A yeah. Mustache. I'm getting like...
1: Like, off-Broadway, unlicensed
0: <laughs> Lion King. <laughs> <laughs> but- oh, my God. He does kind of look like the Cowardly <laughs> the Lion.
3: Oh, no, yes.
0: <laughs> look at the little, the little thin oh mustache. Oh, God. <laughs> the little
2: thing.
1: He- Mandy, he's going through puberty. Leave him alone. They went through <laughs> puberty in, like, 45 back then. No eyelashes either. <laughs> what is happening to these people? <laughs>
0: i think this is the style i think they're just plucking their eyelashes they're like ew i don't want any hairy eyes
1: oh i don't want any hairy eyes i need to save all my like three wispy hairs from above my lip
0: <laughs> i accidentally
2: zoomed in on the picture and it immediately made the the, the mouth this big <laughs>
0: my so now I'm just over
1: oh my god yes nice lips though he has yes, better lips than anyone lips. else we've seen tonight
0: okay <laughs> the good lip good lip earns to august he gets filler (laughs) so g wills is like bouncing around europe like living his best life but then in 1665 he meets a penniless Huguenot refugee named eleanor dolbrus and falls absolutely head over heels in love with her and another picture i I won't be sending pictures this entire time
1: they're gonna be so mad at us
0: (laughs) (laughs) Only the beginning, so people know what she oh, looks like. All the people like.
1: that are like, "Oh my god, not Padme walking in here!"
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, she does look like Padme. <laughs> yeah, she
1: she's does. like, oh, I'm- <laughs> she's like, I'm totally not the queen. I'm like, then why do you look like that?
0: <laughs> I love her.
1: Okay, this girl, I love. Me
0: too. I love Eleanor. I love Eleanor Delbrus. I think she she rules. So. G. Wills and Eleanor enter into what's known as a morganatic marriage, which is a marriage that's recognized by the church, sort of, but not by the state. Uh it doesn't be- bestow any inheritance rights or anything. So, you know, they can they can have sex and everything and, and not go to hell, but um but you know, uh uh-huh. if they have any children, they won't like have any rights. It's nice for them. Princess Sophia of the Palatinate was Not happy about this, probably Mm. in part because it was confirmation that she was passed over G. Wills, not because he wanted to remain a bachelor, but because she sucked, (laughs) but also because Sophia of the Palatinate was a classist snob and hated Eleanor for being a member of the lower nobility. When she would talk about Eleanor or write about her in letters, Sophia would refer to her as the little clot of dirt. Oh.
1: <laughs> Got her. Wow. <laughs> wow. Imagine, like, if somebody like legitimately continued to refer to you as that. Like, that's so much meaner oh than most of my comments. Oh. Like, that's worse than a slur. I'm sorry, but. Mm-hmm.
0: So in September of 1666, Eleanor gave birth to the couple's only child a girl named Sophia Dorothea who will become what you might call the protagonist of our story upon the arrival of their daughter eleanor immediately begins, begins agitating for g wills to legitimize sophia dorothea cuz she's like we have a kid now we have to make sure that our our child has something to live on when we die And after about 10 years, Ernst August and Sophia of the Palatinate relent and allow G. Wills and Eleanor to enter into an official marriage and legitimize Sophia Dorothea because at that point, Ernst August and Sophia of the Palatinate had had several sons and G. Wills and Eleanor had only had the one daughter uh, and it was looking pretty likely that they weren't going to have any other children together. So they were basically like – this." One daughter doesn't like threaten what is about our her? line. She's not going to yeah. inherit anything anyway, other than you know their money. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, now she's legitima. Now she she's legitimized. Uh, and when she's legitimized, Sophia Dorothea very quickly becomes one of the richest heiresses in Germany. Even though G. Will's ceded Hanover, he's still he still held on to the small but lucrative uh, Duchy of Celle. And is recognized for his military service to the Holy, Hol, uh, Holy Roman Emperor. So he also secured Sophia Dorothea and her mother the titles of Countess Harb- of Harborg and Wilhelmsborg. Uh, none of this really matters. All that matters <laughs> is she's really fucking rich now. Sophia Dorothea was doted on by both of her parents and enjoyed an unusually carefree and loving childhood for the 17th century. She grew into a spirited teen who loved to read and displayed talent as a singer, embroiderer, and harpsichord player. And she was growing into a renowned beauty. I'm going to send a picture of Sophia Dorothea.
1: Show yourself, Sophia. Oh, her hair's good.
0: She's pretty. She's a pretty lady.
1: No eyelashes. <laughs> well, I love pretty. how
2: Caitlin's just like looking at the eyelashes specifically. <laughs> it's just really
1: bothering me I'm now. Sure
0: they, I think we found a theme here. They just don't yeah. like eyelashes. No. Maybe they didn't know how to paint eyelashes <laughs> like, back then. Maybe it was like enough. a our <laughs> brushes are too thick. Still. <laughs> We're painting with okay, crayons. Okay, well, here. Why, after they
1: plucked out all their eyelashes, why didn't they make brushes out of them? <laughs> she is really pretty.
0: She is very pretty. One winter, the teenage son of a Swedish count visiting the court of Sella flirted with the young duchess, and before he left, he carved the words, forget me not, into the frost on the, ca- on the castle windows. That sounds like
1: sinister magics. That.
2: <laughs> no normal human could do that.
0: <laughs> uh, we call that foreshadowing, Caelan. Oh, Okay.
1: <laughs> sorry, not all of us went to school.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Around the time Sophia Dorothea turned 16, G. Wills and Eleanor Delbruz began uh, entering into serious talks into arranging a good marriage for Sophia Dorothea. They had even allegedly been floating the idea of marrying her to the future king of Denmark, which really pissed off Sophia of the Palatinate. She wrote of the match, Fancy a king's son for that bit of bastard. So she's... She, she holds a grudge, Sophia of the Palatinate. She holds a grudge.
1: Yeah. Which is incredibly easy to support.
0: <laughs> yeah. We we <laughs> stand her a little bit. She's a little mean, but she's welcome on our podcast anytime. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> a betrothal agreement was eventually signed between, between G. Wills and Anthony Ulrich, Duke of Brunswick, uh, Wolfenbuttel who was an enemy of Ernst August's but had been a supporter of G. Will's marriage to Eleanor Bruce since the very beginning. Um, So I like to imagine that was like a little bit of a fuck you. The marriage was to be to Anthony Ulrich's eldest son, the hereditary prince, but the prince was sadly killed in battle in August of uh, 1676. Oh, too bad. The Duke of Wolfenbuttel had another son, but Ernst August talked G. Wills into marrying Sophia Dorothea to his eldest son instead, reminding G. Wills that if their children married, Sophia Dorothea would essentially reinherit everything G. Wills had initially given up to avoid a lo- loveless marriage. But- To uh, give that to his daughter, to give back all the property that she had lost through this agreement that he made with his brother, G. Wills would have to force Sophia Dorothea into what would almost certainly be a loveless marriage, as Ernst August's eldest son, George Louis, was the opposite of Sophia Dorothea in every way. Witless, unrefined, and hopelessly ugly, he was known throughout Hanover as the pig snout.
1: That's also (laughs) like dirt clod and pig snout are like... These are really hateful terms.
0: The meanest things I've ever heard. Like, not even a whole pig. (laughs) Please call me a slur. (laughs) I know, right? They were real mad and real uncomfortable all the time. Their food sucked and it was cold.
1: They hadn't taken a shower ever. (laughs) Like...
0: Sophia of the Palatinate had her misgivings about the marriage because she hated Sophia Dorothea and Eleanor Dolbrus, but basically agreed to the marriage for mercenary reasons because Sophia Dorothea's dowry was so high. She also wasn't too attached to her eldest son. In a letter she wrote, 1,000 tallers, I think it's pronounced tallers, like our dollars, $1,000 $1,000 a year is a goodly sum to pocket without speaking of a pretty wife who will find a match in my son, George Louis, the most pigheaded, stubborn boy who ever lived and who has around his brain such a thick crust that I defy any man or woman ever to discover what is in them. He does not care much for the match itself, but $100,000 a year have tempted him as they would have <laughs> tempted anybody else. This is how she wow. talks about her own fucking son. She's <laughs> horrible. Not his.
1: Thick, crusty brain.
2: Like, stra- almost oh. strangled. Is that a smooth brain?
0: <laughs> like, <Jesus>. Literally. <laughs>
1: <laughs> wow. Yeah, she was like, his brain is rotting. The so Palatinate she is like- so
0: hateful. I don't think she likes anybody.
2: <laughs> she- I just imagine her saying all this mean things, and then he's just like in the room, like, Ouch! He's just. She's
1: (laughs) like writing the letter, (laughs) but reading aloud as she's like.
0: Crusted, thick thick brain. I don't even think he's like ow. I think he's just sitting there like boo. Like his brain is flatlining. He doesn't even know what she's talking about. (laughs) He's
2: just sitting there, just like.
0: Yeah. You, viewers at home,
3: I was just completely gazing around. His f-
2: Sorry viewers at home, you could see that. Sipping
3: on
1: his medieval <laughs> Juice box. that
2: like- they had to help him puncture with the straw. Uh-huh. <laughs> so he didn't hurt himself again.
1: But it, it's like it's like a literal piece <laughs> it's of straw. straw. Cuz it's <laughs> Oh, they're like they're they're fancy, right? I'm picture whenever I picture anything before like the year 2000 like everybody is it's like Skyrim yeah. in my head like everybody is like living outfits, in like little I mean, villages like fair.
0: these are fancy these are like these okay. are 17th century royals is like curly hair wigs pearls on everything high heels for everyone all the time and lots of brocade Okay, so they're fancy yeah, I'll take- but you know it's cold their food tastes like shit and they shit in the corner
1: yeah that's fair <laughs>
0: You just shit in the corner and have somebody else clean up after that.
1: Wow, that is fancy.
0: <laughs> it's fancier than what I've got. I, got I know, right? Up after my own corner shit. <laughs> I know. My cat's.
1: I'm have like that. when somebody so many- when somebody throws up in my toilet at night. I'm the one that has to scrub it the next day. Rude. <laughs>
0: Sophia Dorothea and Eleanor Dolbruz were horrified to learn of the arrangement. Allegedly, when G. Wills broke the news to Sophia Dorothea, she took the diamond-framed miniature portrait of George Louis he had given her and chucked it across the room, screaming, I will not marry the pig snout. I will not marry the (laughs) pig snout. Don't do it, Mom. I love her. (laughs) Can't (sighs) leave me. All of the women in this story are iconic and all of them hate each other. <laughs>
2: well, <that may> <laughs>
0: <be>. <laughs> but on November 21st, 1682, Sophia Dorothea was married to her first cousin, hereditary Prince George Louis, and sent to live at the court of Hanover. Sophia Dorothea's early days at Hanover were not great. Sophia of the Palatinate was frequently cruel and critical of her etiquette, and George Louis treated her coldly, though fairly. A French fortune teller once predicted that if George Louis were in any way responsible for his wife's death, that he himself would die within the year. So Sophia Dorothea's earthly comforts, at least, were tended to at Hanover.
1: That's a weird like, thing to be assured about. You're like, oh, well, the witch
0: said. Again, 17th century.
2: <laughs> she, she she slipped her a 20. It was like, can you say this to my husband just to make sure he doesn't yeah, me? Yeah, <laughs> she clearly
0: did. Just... I feel like I feel like her mom probably did yeah. that. Her mom was like, can you like make you sure like, mom's always looking out for her? Mom's
1: always no. <laughs>
2: Look, Hicks now is not the smartest.
0: Yeah. Can you just so, like scare him? Yeah. Thank you. Sophia Dorothea did get along well with her father-in-law, Ernst August, and George Louis's younger brothers, her brothers-in-law, I guess, who appreciated her wit and frivolity, uh, but her shine had dulled somewhat in the oppressive environment. Things started to improve after the birth of a son, also named George, in 1683. Pick a new name. Oh, God. It's so frustrating. (laughs) Georgie something. (laughs) (laughs) Like, yeah, move down the list of Gs. There's got to be another one. Jeremy. (laughs) That doesn't start with a G. Jeffrey.
1: No, like, Jeremy. Jeremy. <laughs> Jeremy. <laughs> like what, what what's even the reason? Are they like, oh, when in like three thousand years, when some like dumb bitch reads their life story on a podcast, they're gonna be so confused. yeah so
3: confused. <laughs> Got just
0: chuckling as they fill out the birth certificate. <laughs> it's just ego. Like my sense. son's gonna want to be named after me.
1: What do they do when they have, like, eight?
0: They just keep adding numbers to the ends of their names. Oh, my God. Sophia Dorothea tried to make an effort to ingratiate herself with her mother-in-law and the father of her child, and likewise, George Louis's treatment of Sophia Dorothea softened. The couple did not love one another, but they remained civil for the kids. In 1687, jo- uh, Sophia Dorothea gave birth to a baby girl named Sophia Dorothea. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking hate these people. <laughs> this why? is why, this alone is why they all deserve to be on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Awful things are going to happen to Sophia Dorothea and you're going to feel really bad for her. But remember, she named her fucking daughter Sophia Dorothea.
1: <laughs> remember what she did?
0: <laughs> she gave her daughter her bad rhyming name. Oh my God. <laughs> so things aren't ideal, but they kind of get comfortable for a while. Mm-hmm. Enter the shit stirrer, enter the spanner in the works, Countess Platon. And I just know you both are going to stand the hell out of this camp queen. Okay.
1: I can already tell by her name.
0: I'm
2: just imagining her <sighs> immediately walking in with, like,
0: the fucking fan. Oh, my fan God.
2: And like, the pants, it's so and
0: bitch good. on it. Like, i so ready for her.
1: that fan right <laughs> out.
0: Let me send you a picture of her. And you're going to imagine her thwarping that fucking fan.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: Oh, my God. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I stan her so hard. Uh, yes. That outfit.
3: Everything
1: yes. about this is so good.
0: Oh, my God. I stan her so hard. She's such an evil bitch.
1: She looks like she's showing up to a like a baptism she wasn't invited to. Like she looks like like,
2: (laughs) she's gonna put a curse on a princess on a baby. (laughs) She does. She's like, oh, you didn't invite me and curse. And then the fan comes out again right before she disappears
0: in a cloud of smoke.
2: (laughs) It's
1: so good.
0: Clara Elizabeth von Platten was originally Clara Elizabeth von Meisenberg and she and her sister Katharina were the daughters of a poorer nobleman Count Meisenberg who basically toured the girls around Europe trying to set them up as mistresses to various kings. So back in the 17th and 18th centuries being a royal mistress was like one of the best jobs that you could have as a woman. The women from the most powerful families married kings and became queens but women of lower nobility and in some cases even some well-connected commoners could become official royal mistresses, a position which came with titles, an annual salary, and lots of privileges. Uh, Louis XIV's mistress, for example, Madame de Pompadour, was basically the unofficial prime minister of France during her tenure as maitresse en titre from 1745 to 1764. So, like, that's just an example of like how high you could climb as a mistress. Nice.
1: Is this still available? god i wish because i can relocate
0: nowadays nowadays they just <laughs> they just pay off the tabloids uh, to look the right? other way like willing to no. prince william with what whatever her name was rose something i have no idea i don't know he cheated on kate and it was like news and then he paid off the uh i don't
2: remember I don't the
0: tabloids to stop reporting on it bullshit i wish it was still a title so back to count countess platten so Platon's father wanted to set his daughters up with the cushy job as mistress to the king, any king, <laughs> and he toured his daughters around, getting rejected from more prestigious European courts like that of uh, Louis the Thirteenth and Charles the Second's, before arriving at. Han- oh no, I said I said that wrong. Louis the Fourteenth. I'm I'm bad at re- reading Roman numerals. When I said Louis, um, Madame de Pompadour was Louis the mistress louis the 14th is the current king which i think is his daddy i'm not 100 sure so they got rejected from like the the bigger like they they got rejected from the a-list courts before (laughs) they came to hanover and they were like all right let's let's go for some in the bc tier level some youtuber kings
1: yeah Yeah. (laughs) like netflix said no (laughs) quibi shut down
0: what's pewdiepie up to (laughs) (laughs) right That's (laughs) that's well, beauty <laughs> At Hanover, she found success with Ernst August and was soon married off to Franz von Platten and given the title of Countess von Platten and the dual responsibilities of lady in waiting to Sophia of the Palatinate and royal mistress of Ernst August. So, I'm going to send a passage now uh, from Eleanor Herman's "Sex with the Queen" um, bef- uh, for Kalyn to read, if you wouldn't mind. But before I do, I just want to say I. I- Pull a lot of quotes from uh, Eleanor Herman for this podcast because I like the way she writes. Um, I think she's she's very punchy and very dramatic. She is a pop nonfiction writer. She's not a scholar. She definitely like exaggerates quite a bit and embellishes <laughs> and. <laughs> In some passages that I have not included in this, she straight up, like, makes shit up. Um, so it's not, like, the most – it's not the most rigorous account, but it is drama, and that's what we're here for. I support for. her. So.
1: If the Duke ruled Hanover, the stormy Madame Platten ruled the Duke, who named her compliant husband a Duke, account, and eventually prime minister. To win the gentlemen at court to her side, including George Louis
3: – question, mark.
1: In the evening, she turned her home into a tavern, gambling den, and body house. Okay, I love her. After a life of hard living, by the age of 34, Countess Platten maintained her position as the handsomest woman at court with increasing difficulty. What she lost in looks, she made up for in raiment. She hid her increasing plumpness under exquisite gold-embroidered brocades, gleaming silks, and the richest velvets, all adorned with snowy white lace. She wore so many fine, large diamonds that she blazed like a galaxy. Diamond pins in her hair, a diamond brooch on her breast, diamond earrings, rings, bracelets, and shoe buckles. Her toilette became more complex. She piled quantities of shining false curls on her head, spritzed herself with cloying French perfume, and painted on an astonishingly thick mask of makeup. So this is drag?
0: Yeah, she's she's a drag queen. She's a drag queen. And I love yeah. her so much. There was also a rumor in Hanover that Countess Platten took regular milk baths in order in order to keep her skin young and supple, and then she would dole out the milk to the poor as charity. <laughs>
1: Yes, the original e girl <laughs> bathwater.
2: Here you go, tell my simps. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Just I, like handing it out, being like, don't worry, I didn't pee in this.
2: <laughs> That's this so other bottle. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's this other bottle, and that one costs that one money.
3: That's a lot
1: of money. <laughs> What, what was the, what did you say the, like, the currency was? Terminies or something?
0: Uh, dollars. Like, dollars, but oh. was it
3: wasn't dollars. <laughs> I, I
0: added to tea to Germany.
2: <laughs> I thought that was intentional. <laughs> I was close. Twelve Terminies. <laughs> <laughs> God, all those fucking diamonds! That must have been okay, so uh, but heavy. Also- <laughs> she must have added
0: like a hundred pounds worth of
2: diamonds to her body every day. Jesus, bitch had
0: to have been yoked. Oh, she yeah. had to have been yoked. Well, oh yeah.
1: I, when they were like, "Oh, she's getting plump," I'm like, "That is like muscle <laughs> from here, <herons."
0: laughs> like six hundred pounds of diamonds around with you." <laughs> Not her like carrying Ernst August up the stairs, like fireman <laughs> style. <laughs> like,
3: She's oh, giving yeah. baby backs everywhere.
2: <laughs> She's like, I got like, this. We'll go fast. Baby. I just carry you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You're my mistress tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, girl, get it. I love her. <laughs>
1: not, not her diamond brooch on her breast, diamond earrings, rings, bracelets, and shoe, <laughs> and shoe. buckles, and strap on. <laughs>
0: Owie. <laughs> Diamond strap on. Fuck.
1: Only the best for my little Ernst <laughs> Bussy.
2: what
3: Ernst no, said too.
0: I was listening to a different podcast today where somebody said that, like, um, one of the. <laughs> One of the steps of like forming a cult is like creating your own language, like. And I, I was like, "Oh no, we're a cult!" Yes, <laughs> we're
1: at the very least a coven. <laughs> like,
0: oh yeah, we're definitely. A coven. Oh yeah, we're definitely. <laughs> it's a coven. like
1: the line between coven and cult is like pretty <laughs> purely semantic.
0: <laughs> I think the line between coven and cult is just like. How much, how much time you have? Like, I feel like a cult is like a little bit more of a time commitment, whereas like coven, right, you can be yeah. part time or casual in a, in a coven. You don't have to be full time yeah. coven. Yeah, you can't
2: really be casual in a cult. No, <laughs> they, get, they frown on that. Generally speaking, <laughs>
1: you're like, I just really like a cult life
2: balance, and they're like, Ooh. <laughs> I commit to this cult on Saturdays and every other Tuesday, but I can't do every Tuesday yeah. because sometimes I go to Pilates. And they're
1: like, right, but you did sign a eight billion year. Cult contract
0: so oops ironically like that's the same difference between a cult and an improv team (laughs) So, countess platen views sophia dorothea as essentially her rival because sophia dorothea shows up at court young charming witty and beautiful and she starts to become very popular threatening platen's position as the baddest bitch at hanover
1: i mean i already feel like she's my Rival, hearing this, okay. I'm like, mm. Wh-
0: which Sophia Dorothea? Sophia Dorothea is the young one. Is the young one? It was the, yeah. the younger. She's the the pretty one in red. The young. Okay, I'm like, this I need yeah, like I two
1: to keep all these gotcha. images open okay. in another tab so I can remember who we're talking. I about. know.
0: <laughs> right? We need like a board where we have like like pieces of. That's, That's part strings. of the reason I sent you those pictures. And part of the reason I will say once again, all of these pictures will be on Instagram so that you can follow along while you're listening to this. It's a very active podcast.
1: Okay, so this Sophia Dorothea is uh, – The one wearing red. Big big hair, uh, uh-huh. red yeah, dress. Dark,
0: darker hair. Big hair, red dress. Yeah. yeah the young then- one. Yeah.
2: Platten
1: is right, the sorceress. Okay.
2: Yes. Yes. Flatten is the dragon. She's Melissa.
1: I'm I'm opening both of of these right now so I can leave them open for my brain. Okay.
0: (laughs) So, George Louis, um, Sophia Dorothea's cousin husband. Does not love Sophia Dorothea, nor does she love him. But up to this point, he has remained sexually faithful to her as like a point of civility. So to spite Sophia Dorothea, platon sets George Louis up with a noble woman named Melusina von Schulenberg. And Platten coaches Melusina in the art of seduction so that she can successfully become his mistress. Melusina was blonde and pretty, but like a little bit too skinny to be considered beautiful for the time. And she was more than a head taller than George Louis, which many courtiers mocked the couple for. But for her part, Melusina was simple, sweet, very religious, and seemed to genuinely love George Louis. And she would remain his mistress for his entire life.
2: Leave tall girls alone.
0: <laughs> I know. I feel bad for Melusina. She sounds like she just, you know, she she was like, "I got a good gig here, being a mistress. I genuinely right. like this guy." Um, and she got she got intertwined in some dramatic shit, and yeah. she got mocked for being too tall and too skinny, which like we don't really mock people for nowadays. No.
1: George Louis, do we have a? Did you send a photo of him?
0: Not yet, on purpose. Okay, okay. <laughs> Don't look it up.
2: <laughs> Sorry, Caitlin's face is like
0: I I'm, all, I'm
1: in,
2: Just so excited. <laughs> I wish you viewers you could have seen it because they just got like so settled in, like like a little kid, like I'm waiting like, for Santa. Like <laughs> like I was cute. putting this
0: together and I was like, oh my god, I can't send any pictures that like have spoilers in them. <laughs>
1: Oh yes, no. You know how you know my reaction to spoilers.
0: Um, <laughs> no spoilers. I mean, Kaelin hates spoilers. If if something had been spoiled, all we would have had to do is like wait for like two hours and let Kaylin get high enough. To-
2: <laughs> <laughs> right? Just just smoke some more honey. Shh, <laughs> sh-
0: sh- sh- forget that. Forget forget that <laughs> you saw that. <laughs> So Sophia Dorothea immediately writes home to her parents, asking them to intercede uh, in this relationship between Melusina and George Louis. And her mother is pissed because, again, Eleanor Dolbrus loves her daughter and looks out for her daughter. But G. Wills is basically like your mother-in-law puts up with the same thing and doesn't complain, just like be more like her. Oh, G-W- yeah,
1: Be more like your mother-in-law kind of It's just such good advice, you know?
2: <laughs> that people really mm-hmm. appreciate hearing <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> every time.
1: Like, I can't think of anything more comforting. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so Sophia Dorothea takes her complaints straight to her in-laws, Ernst August and Sophia of the Palatinate, who get worried about the $100,000 a year annual like dowry and take action by asking George Louis to just like keep his affairs discreet. They're like, if you're going to do yeah, it they live. Wanna, they don't want
1: to lose those thousands of <laughs> Yeah, Like, keep your shit to yourself. You don't like not be
2: Instagramming that shit or any of that other so stuff. Just, just keep it on the DL. Yeah.
1: yeah right?
0: Keep it quiet. Like, not, not you logging into <laughs>
1: Foursquare with your mistress.
0: <laughs> so George Louis is like infuriated by the idea that he can't tag her on Instagram <laughs> posts and stuff. And he doubles down, going out of his way to be a dick to Sophia Dorothea at every opportunity. So Sophia Dorothea responds by publicly mocking and ridiculing George Louis and Melusina. So the water is now, it's, it's been on a simmer and it's rising mm-hmm. again to a boil. On March 1st, 1688, a 26-year-old Swedish count named Philip Christoph von Koenigsmark Made his debut at court in Hanover, and introduced him to the Princess Sophia Dorothea, asking her if she remembered playing with him as a child at Sela and carving the words "Forget Me Not" into the frost of the palace windows.
2: Oh, it's so romantic!
0: It's very romantic. It's very it's so sweet. sweet. The sinister magics.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the sinister like, magic came remember. back. <laughs> Yes, that foreshadowing.
0: <laughs> the Koenigsmark siblings were famous adventurers. All of the Koenigsmark men were competent soldiers. Philip's older brother, Carl, was basically exiled from England for hiring three assassins to kill the husband of his lover. Hey, okay, I
1: love these men.
0: Number I know, one. they're so cool. <laughs> adventurers? Yeah, like, they were cool. adventurers.
1: Not, Not to like... Not to, you know, but like men these days are like podcasters. I know.
0: Like, <laughs> well, you like just, nobody's like an
1: adventurer can't, anymore. You can't be it's
0: an adventurer really a- anymore. You have to have. Where'd you adventure to? <laughs> I don't I'd I'd be like these guys I'd go around fucking around Uh, (laughs)
2: well no I don't think today like if you can't be an adventurer today because like what would you adventure to like ooh I'm gonna pay bills and go to
0: I guess it's just crime right what are you gonna do Uh now I mean (laughs) just just like robbing (laughs) banks and shit it's just like like, stealing planes (laughs) yeah (laughs) Philip's sister Amalia was a renowned artist I'm actually gonna drop a Amalia. Amalia I know I'm like
1: Amalia sounds fucking dope too amalia the renowned artist
0: finally a family with good names right, right? <laughs> They're not all of this name fucking george so i'm actually going to drop a picture of um a it should be a self-portrait by amalia
1: oh she did a self-portrait let's see if she gave herself eyelashes
0: nobody has eyelashes <laughs> oh nobody yeah has eyelashes. they do so which one's her Uh, I'm not 100% sure. I think it's the one on the right. (laughs) They all look the same. What does it matter? I think they're
2: all her. (laughs) Well, you know, I want to know which one I should be looking at. (laughs) I
1: don't
0: think she's a very good artist. (laughs) Like, these
1: are all one girl. I do have facial blindness, (laughs) so that might have something to do with it, but... Yep, she did lashes. She did good lashes. She did lashes? Yeah.
0: Finally, someone did lashes. Kaylin's happy. So... (laughs) In addition to being an artist, Amalia was also an actor and a poet. And Philip's other sister, Aurora, also a great name, was also a great name, also an actress and a legendary (sighs) beauty who would come to be described by Voltaire many years later as (sighs) the most famous woman of two centuries. So, like, these people were famous. Kind of for being famous. They just like went around and like did yeah. shit and like picked up odd jobs. They were also, you know, all nobility. So they had the money to do that kind of shit to just be like, I guess I'll just go be an actor now.
1: So she's it's giving Paris Hilton.
0: <laughs> totally. Famous for yeah, being famous.
2: Paris Hilton, Kardashians, that kind yeah, of thing. It,
1: it's like, what are you been up to? It's like, I got a purse line. Mm-hmm. So it's been taking up a lot of my time.
2: That's them. I've been designing uh, diamond strap-ons, you know, for a hobby.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was actually invited here by a um, uh, 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 countess something. <laughs> We're doing a bit of a showing. <laughs> when Philip arrived at Hanover with his sister Aurora in 1688, and he reconnected with the little princess he'd known all those years ago, He decided to stay for a little while Mm, because she's hot. Philip and Sophia Dorothea had much in common. They were both witty and flirtatious. They loved dancing and partying, music and literature. And Philip, like Sophia Dorothea, was adored by George Louis' younger brothers and despised by George Louis himself. For Philip, it may have been a love at first sight situation in regards to Sophia Dorothea. But Sophia Dorothea herself remained circumspect. Their relationship progressed from close friendship to romantic interest very quickly, but they didn't risk consummating the relationship for quite some time. However, Philip had needs, and Countess Platten was more than happy to help the handsome young count scratch that particular itch. So I'm going to send another Eleanor Herman passage. Mandy, would you mind reading it? Oh, sure. Sure. Awesome!
2: I've been recast.
0: <laughs> no, you're both gonna switch <laughs> off reading some passages in this. I'm
2: take some terms. I like. I like this. I like the participation. Oh. Yeah.
1: yeah, I never realized that I could get you two to do part of the work. Right. <laughs>
2: the now that I know that,
1: <laughs> from say- now on, I'm just gonna like. Uh, I will say a thing. I'll like alternate. I'll like, my entire this, script things. between the two of
0: you. <laughs> 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 if you need me to send it in WhatsApp, I will. Okay.
2: No, it's okay. I'll just scroll up. Um, oh, Jesus. What's that
1: first Starting word? with everybody's favorite word. So that's smart.
0: Katie Smart. Not you
1: saying that like that makes <laughs> sense. <laughs> <laughs> Not you saying that like that's <laughs> that like more, word. You
0: can <that we> say chir-
2: exclamation, exclamation, exclamation points States. over the O. Say Kony Smart. Smart. Was it you? <laughs>
0: ten I out of ten, going. Mandy. The
1: is dying <laughs> at. Sorry, it. That's but it. that's it. Carnage, Mark.
2: mark. <laughs> What's the <a> t- <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. Let me keep going. Okay, that name <laughs> was a true gentleman of the seventeenth century, boasting the talent to drink, gamble, ride, fight, and make love with great gusto. Possessed of exquisite courtly manners, he sported a flowing dark wig and. Su- suptuous clothing, uh, sensual, hot-blooded, an urgent need for sex, always throbbing painfully in his breeches, he could rarely turn down a woman's <laughs> offer. I can see why you want me to read this quote. Uh-huh, yeah. uh, and when the opulent Countess Platon whispered in his ear an invitation to visit her that night, he eagerly accepted. Ooh, this is turning <laughs> – this is getting a little – Steamy. I, I I gotta talk well, like, about <laughs> like romance. Album. It's very sexy. I love the way this bitch rides. <laughs> Exhausted by her feverish embraces, he stumbled back to his rooms as the sun rose. Though, Kuntz Mark, Mark <laughs> enjoy. <laughs> Kmart enjoyed the voluptuous <laughs> Let's call him Kmart. Yes, oh my god, thank you. Though Kmart enjoyed the voluptuous favors of Countess Platon by night, by day he found himself more and more bewitched by the princess. Sinister magics. His military career <laughs> as a mercenary called him to new battlefields, yet he could not tear himself away from Hanover. So he stayed on, serving the duke for a small salary, spending his inheritance with reckless abandon mm-hmm. and making love to the vile Countess <laughs> <laughs> while pretending it was the princess in his arms. Okay, oh, no. What, okay,
1: that is so editorialized. <laughs> I love that.
0: It, it is.
2: is. So, oh, my god! You golly. know
0: she typed it out with one finger while she was holding a glass of wine. <laughs> she was. She smoking was a cigarette. It, just it
1: was smoking like, a cigarette. The assumption that he's actually thinking of someone else is, like, so baseless. <laughs> (laughs) and i support it i feel like all history should be editorialized again it's so
2: dramatic like a steamy historical based romance novel it's very like so does jumping into the arms of this other woman as he closes his eyes and penetrates her deeply with his throbbing manhood thinking of his true love and i would
0: read the hell out of it i would read (laughs) the hell out of this this would be my 50 shades of gray yeah
1: she literally wrote this this being like welcome to like Welcome to just regular horror story hour. Like, we're going to sit down. (laughs) Regular.
0: (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Countess Platten is a drag whore. Yeah, that's true. After two years at Hanover, he decides he needs to get away from Sophia Dorothea in order to get over her. So he volunteers for a military expedition in Greece. It was a bloodbath. 11,000 men went and 130 men came back. Philip was one of them who returned to Hanover in 1691, even more in love with the princess. Herman writes, Countess Platten welcomed her lover home from the wars with open arms, arms which remained open as he walked coldly past her to Sophia Dorothea. <gasps>
1: oh, shit! <laughs> I'm sorry, is this the same book?
0: Yeah, it's all the same book. Okay,
1: sorry, what's it called?
0: Uh, Sex with the Queen.
2: You're adding
3: okay, that to your okay.
1: Amazon
2: wish list right now, aren't you? Um <laughs>
1: It's not a wish list. I am doing like buy now, like immediately.
0: Getting it in Minecraft. (laughs) It's about queens and their their lovers. And uh, it's all super editorialized. And I'll tell you, when you get to the modern era and she talks about Diana, this bitch hates Diana, Princess of Wales so much. Oh, my (laughs) God. I don't know why, but she has it (laughs) out for her.
1: Okay, well, I'm going to find out. Uh, it's coming tomorrow, so I will find out. <laughs> I've already placed the order. Go on.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait for you to read it. I like. I haven't. I first read this book when I was like nineteen.
1: This explains a lot. Mm-hmm. This is your origin story. <laughs>
0: this is my. This is my supervillain origin story. But I just like. I have vivid memories of like her section about Princess Diana, where she's like talking about how like Prince Philip didn't want to be with her because like she always smelled like vomit and I was like that's so mean, <laughs> what,
3: the that's so
0: mean. what the fuck that's so mean okay <laughs> the woman that
1: wrote this book is like a legit
0: queen, yeah <laughs> I I literally like I went on her she's like uh, I went on her Twitter to like just double check to make sure she isn't like an active transphobe these days because she seems like the type. Oh yeah. Um yeah. but she okay. she hasn't she hasn't posted any transphobia. She did write an article about how Prince Harry is a spoiled brat, but like that's par for the course. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I just I'm sorry, I'm just sitting here giggling at the whole like Princess Jayana smelled like vomit and she didn't even have that pretty of hair. And <laughs> I know. just she's like Jesus Christ
1: I am assuming that everything she's written is like has happened to her or like (laughs) is about her like she would get mad when like her husband would come in and greet the daughter by like walking past her open arms and like after she she wrote that she had passed out drunk at her desk and thrown up on her manuscript and being like no it's Princess Diana who smells like vomit
2: (laughs) not me right (laughs) like someone really brought that up
0: one time like honey you smell like (laughs) vomit she was like no you know who else smelled
1: like vomit princess diana not so funny now is it
0: i think it's because like princess diana very famously suffered from bulimia so she's like mocking that right and it's like it seems like she's like bitter about the fact that princess diana was like considered beautiful and it's like well if you saw her in person she would smell that it's like I don't think she would smell bad. Gorgeous, she'd probably brush her teeth after she purged. She's a princess. She could buy it.
2: it kind of makes me think of some of the stories about um, <laughs> Marilyn Monroe towards the end of her life. Apparently, like people were like, "Oh, she used to like eat food in bed, and so her bed always smelled really nasty." And she didn't like to take showers, and she was actually very gross. So the fact that you think she's beautiful is gross. And it's like,
0: sounds like know. she was <laughs> sick, and maybe we shouldn't be mocking yeah, that. It sounds like, yeah, maybe. <laughs> Maybe. When Sophia Dorothea and Phil- Philip von Koenigsmark's relationship was sexually consummated is not known, but it's presumed to have been sometime around April 1691 because Philip, who always signed his correspondence to the princess with the respectable, respectful, your faithful servant, on April 30th suddenly started signing his letters, farewell, my beloved brunette, I embrace your knees. He got laid. <laughs> He's very happy. I embrace your knee. Like, and he he loves Conalingus, clearly. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there's there's that only man. one situation in which you'd like, be embracing my knees. Sit on my yeah. face. <laughs> sit on it, please. Yeah. And I also stand Philip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Liaisons between <laughs> Philip and the princess were assisted and coordinated by Philip's sister, Aurora, <laughs> and by Sophia Dorothea's lady-in-waiting, Eleanor Denise Beck. So her mother is Eleanor de <laughs> And her lady-in-waiting is Eleanor Denise Beck. So many fucking Eleanors. I'm going to call her niece back for this. Uh, they <laughs> would sometimes meet in Knees... Knees? Sorry. He embraces Knees and... <laughs> and So does she. I don't know. Uh, (laughs) They would sometimes meet in Niesbeck's bedroom, as it was never visited by any courtiers or servants. Royal men like George Louis and Ernst August could carry on affairs in public, but queens and princesses did so at great personal risk. So Sophia Dorothea and Philip von Koenigsmark came up with a system of signals. Letters would be discreetly placed in a certain pair of embroidered gloves, and sometimes they'd signal to one another in the palace gardens by whistling a popular tune known as the Spanish Follies. Sophia Dorothea once wrote, As for me, every evening, Niesbeck and I walk together under the trees near the house. We will wait for you from 10 o'clock to midnight. You know the usual signal. You must make yourself known by it. The gate and the fence is always open. Don't forget that you must give the signal, and when I and I shall wait for you under the trees. When they heard the signal in the gardens, the signal was the Spanish Follies. Sophia Dorothea and Niesbeck would make a mad dash to a cottage Aurora von Koenigsmark was renting nearby, where Philip and Sophia Dorothea would rendezvous. So it was it was a very complex affair trying to arrange these. Mm.
2: Yeah, all the all the which it is like when you know, when you're cheating, uh,
0: it's like it's it, it's very complicated. You really have to put the work in. Yeah. Yeah, it's
2: cheating is hard work. It is.
0: It is. Countess Platten began placing spies everywhere at court in Hanover, and had even paid off officials in Sophia Dorothea's father's court at Sella. I just, I just love her so much. She's like, you know what? I'm, I'm so in everybody's business. I need to, I need to hire a bunch of spies. (laughs) Just the fun of these two are fun. She is so camp. She is so camp.
2: She is. She's iconic.
0: <laughs> With enemies everywhere, Sophia, Dorothea, and Philip began writing their letters in code. But Sophia, Dorothea, and Philip were were so beautiful and just so incredibly dumb. So their code was very easily decipherable. They used a system of numbers and nicknames. Sophia, Dorothea, was 201. Philip was one hundred twenty. Sella was three oh five. Eleanor Denizbeck was the confidante, and Countess Platten was the fat one. Wow.
2: Wow. Okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, everyone's mean. Everyone's, everyone's mean. mean. <laughs> and also, you, you sweet, sweet, dumb, beautiful people, <laughs> like to think that that's code. I don't think they know what code right. is. Yeah. <laughs> code is not nicknames.
1: Yeah, no, like (laughs) like it's not just calling something super secret code while using
2: nicknames.
0: Oh, why don't we call Countess Platten the Fat One? (laughs) No one will guess. No one will know who we're talking about when we talk (laughs) about specific details of things that we do in our day to day.
2: Meanwhile, she just opens it up and immediately goes, "Oh, that's me." (laughs) Immediately knows. It's like
0: yeah. The one weighed down with 47 pounds of diamonds. I must be the fat one. Yeah. (laughs) Both Sophia Dorothea and Philip were highly emotional and romantic, but Sophia's, Dorothea's letters read as the much more stoic of the two. I'm going to send – ooh, this is so good. I'm going to send some Philip excerpts for you guys to read. Um, I'm going to start with Kaylin because we're alternating.
1: Okay. I cannot forget those delectable moments at Brockhausen. What pleasure, what transports, what ardor, what mean though? We rapt what rapture we tasted together, and with that grief we parted. Oh, that I could live those moments over again. Would that I had died then, drinking deep of your sweetness, your exquisite tenderness? What transports of passion were ours? I will always be your true lover, absent or present, wherever you may be, and whatever may befall. Who obsessed oh my
0: goodness he he is very extra he, he is and this is a mandy what I wouldn't give to hear midnight strike. Be sure
2: to have smelling salts ready, lest my excess of joy cause me to faint. Tonight <laughs> I shall embrace the most agreeable person in the world, and I shall kiss her charming lips. I shall embrace your knees. My tears will be allowed to run down your incomparable cheeks. On her face <laughs> or her ass? Anyway. Both. Uh, why not arms, both? Why not both? Uh, my <laughs> arms will have the satisfaction of embracing the most beautiful body in the world dude is horny for her
0: yeah i mean get you a man that worships you the way philip Ugh. worships sophia zorathia
2: if i got look you i get these messages from guys on dating apps are like hi hey how you doing But if someone sent me this, I would be like, let's go right now. If
0: somebody sent me this, I would think that they're catfishing me. (laughs) I gotta be honest.
2: (laughs) I mean, if this was a first message, yes. But if I
0: knew them, okay, yeah, (laughs) yeah.
2: Talking, then it's fine.
0: Uh, Kaylin, you're gonna read another one. Uh, The context of this one is he is not happy. This is a time where Sophia Dorothea (sighs) stood him up. He went to the meeting place and she did not.
2: (gasps) Oh no, she gave him blue balls.
0: Thursday two in the morning. Your behavior
1: is scarcely (laughs) kind. You make an appointment and then people to freeze to death waiting for the signal.
3: You should know that I was waiting in the
1: streets from 1130 to 1.
2: He waited and... (laughs) He waited so long. I know it was
1: like—is like, that an <laughs> I mean, hour and a half? Just
2: him like, sitting there, like, okay, yeah. read a book. After a half hour, I'd be out.
1: <laughs> like, you're you're fucking cheating. Bring a book. Sometimes it's not going to work out.
2: <laughs>
0: he's such a queen. Exactly. <laughs> oh my god. Two in the morning. It's so funny. I <laughs> like, he's so mad. He's so mad. <laughs> He's so angry.
1: The pettiness. But you is know, like... the second
2: she goes up to him, she's like, "Oh, did I? Leave you stood up a little bit? Look at my knees." And he'd be like, "Oh, okay, I forgive you."
1: This is like me when I text someone and they don't respond within like oh no seconds.
0: Thursday two in the morning. <laughs> I waited.
2: Your behavior is
3: scarcely kind. (laughs) Mandy, I was
2: ready to go to Stardew Valley. Where were you?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Mandy, we're going to finish off with one more. Uh, We're going to leave it on a horny one. Yes,
2: leave it on the horny one. When I remember all of our exquisite transports, all of our sweet violence, I forget my grief. What ardor, what fire, what love have we not tasted together? If I could kiss that little place which has given me so much pleasure. Oh my. I know. <laughs> these Ooh, are Lana hello. lyrics.
0: Philip! <laughs> sweet me. violence though. Like
1: <laughs> yeah. Th- this is these are sweet, Lana the lyrics sweet violence. 100% Ooh, There's this sweet
0: shit. violence is so good. It's like sweet violence is so He's good. He's like whip me mommy. Really?
1: I I forget my grief is like that's what got me.
0: I forget my grief. It's like uh,
1: like the sweet violence is just like the the lead up like forgetting your grief is like the biggest
2: make the biggest me forget thing, my like. name let's do it yeah right yeah.
0: it's so good it is so philip is a wife guy philip is a he's a george louis wife yeah. guy <laughs> yeah.
2: Someone else's wife died. <laughs> In sixteen
0: ninety two, the Holy Roman Emperor gives Ernst August a raise from Duke to Elector of Hanover, which really only effectively amounts to brownie points. Like he doesn't get any money or land for from it. Uh and it's but it's like – like it's it's only important to the story in that it's like kind of like a, ooh, senpai notice me kind of moment for him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so with all of the attention and acclaim, Ernst August suddenly becomes concerned about having a scandal on his hands at court and decides to crack, a- crack down on his daughter-in-law's affair. Not his sons because that doesn't matter. All that matters is his daughter-in-law's affair. <laughs> he sends Aurora von Koenigsmark away, just like tells her to pack up her things and go. And he sends Philip off to war. So Philip and Sophia Dorothea continue sending love letters, but with much more difficulty. Letters were often intercepted or lost, and both lovers became at turns depressed and jealous. Sophia Dorothea wrote, Am I destined to sorrow all my life? Shall I never be able to taste quietly the joys of loving and being loved? Which is very sad. Philip... (sighs) Again, ever the drama queen, Philip adopted a pet bear.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, of course. What else would so you do? Fucking
0: extra. I was
3: not expecting
0: a bear. I was expecting like a snake or <laughs> a ferret. No, I was not expecting. He found a, bear. a baby bear and he started feeding it. <laughs> You'll and- never leave me, right, Mama Bear? <laughs> Just. Feed- Well, this is the thing, like, he threatened in letters to let the bear tear his heart out if Sophia Dorothea found another lover and sometimes signed letters in his own blood. So, like, Philip was not okay. He was not okay.
2: Okay. This went from being kind of romantic and hot to not okay very quickly.
0: It's a real fucked up moment. (sighs) Philip was forbidden leave to visit Hanover, uh, despite the fact that other soldiers were permitted leave. Um, To go like visit family and stuff So one night he deserted his post And rode all night to see Sophia Dorothea Ernst August's field marshal took pity on Philip and granted him a short leave, but warned him that Countess Platten's spies were everywhere and urged him to end the affair with the princess. The love letters to and from Philip and Sophia Dorothea at this time grow darker and more anxious. Sophia Dorothea writes of her fear that someone will betray them, and Philip writes of constant nightmares of being caught in bed with the princess. So both of them know that they're, like, fucked if they keep doing this. Yeah. 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 Countess Platten then offers her daughter, Sophia Charlotte, to Philip as a bride, and he rejects her, infuriating Platten, who convinces Ernst August to exile Philip from Hanover once and for all. Philip goes to Dresden uh, to attend the coronation ceremonies of his friend, Augustus, who had just become elector of Saxony, and he gets a post there as Major General of Saxony for a time. So... I, I don't know the difference between – like the distance between Hanover and Dresden, but he's still somewhere else in Germany at the moment uh, with another position very similar to the one that he just had, uh, only I think a little bit better paid. Okay. Mm-hmm. Herman again. One evening in Dresden, at an officer's mess party to honor mark, the count drank too much and began entertaining the guests with intimate descriptions of women at the court of Hanover. He told ribald tales of Countess Platten ruling through her lover, the weak elector. He titillated his audience with details of her raucous parties, which inevitably became drunken orgies. I love her so much. <laughs> they roared with laughter to hear of the milk baths she took to aid her wrinkled skin, after which she doled out the milk to the poor, as town people townspeople commended her Christian charity. The soldiers slapped him on the back and sent him drinks when he described the fat, ugly daughter Countess Platten had tried to foist on him. And then, to the sound of loud guffaws, he talked of George Louis's bony mistress, Melusina von Schulenberg, who towered over her royal lover. Unfortunately for mark, someone in the group that night, a laughing soldier perhaps, or a bustling servant, was a spy in the pay of Countess Platten. Oh. Mm Mm-hmm. In a court filled with big personalities, Melissina von Schulenberg was quiet, sweet, and dutiful, and when Platten informed her that she had been made an international laughingstock, it broke her heart. She runs to George Louis and tells him that his wife's lover is humiliating them and he becomes incensed. So George Louis goes to Sophia Dorothea's apartments and confronts her about her affair. Uh, and then she in turn is like, well, you're having an affair. Why can't I? They get into a heated argument and that ends in him attacking her, beating her, tearing out her hair and strangling Jesus. her. She's saved by some servants who were waiting in the antechamber and hear her screams and pull George Louis what off of fuck? her. Wow. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Um, So she's alive, but only just. Mm -hmm. Sophia Dorothea writes to her parents, and her mother is horrified. But her father, who has been, like, fully Uh Hanover-pilled by rumors getting back to him by way of Sophia Dorothea's enemies, uh, basically just tells her that she deserved it. So Sophia Dorothea resigns herself to the fact that she's never going to be offered refuge back home in Sela. Because, you know, her mom's on her side, but mom can't do anything. Dad's, like... A fucking dickhead. G. Wells, we do not stand G. Wells. So Sophia Dorothea and Philip decide now's the time to run away. Uh, if she left Hanover, George Louis could divorce her for desertion eventually, uh, and she would be free to marry Philip and live the rest of her life as a poor soldier's wife. But to escape, they'd still need some money and a place to go, and that's where the situation was a bit more dire. Philip had long since Uh, spent all of his inheritance and Sophia Dorothea's marriage contract basically granted all of her money to Prince George Louis. She did own a few pieces of jewelry and some clothes that they could hawk for cash, but it wouldn't get them very far. So th- as a destination, they eventually land on the duchy of Wolfenbüttel. Anton Ulrich von Wolfenbüttel, whose son had been engaged to Sof- Sophia Dorothea all those years ago, was sympathetic to the young lovers and also an enemy of Ernst August. So he would be willing to protect Sophia Dorothea and Philip as like a special little fuck you to Hanover.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So a plan was made. They were like, we can't go far, but we can get to this other German duchy and he'll protect us because he was... Gonna be my father-in-law before his son died, um, and he hates my my father-in-law. At the end of June 1694, Philip deserted his post at Dresden and rode to Hanover. On July 1st, Sophia Dorothea sent Philip a letter asking him to visit her and to give the signal at midnight. The letter was intercepted by Platten's spies, but reached its destination. Oh, no. He came to her that evening, dressed in disguise, and helped her pack her things. The next morning, they would ride to Wolfenbuttel by coach. Philip then slipped away again into the night. The next morning came and Sophia Dorothea and Eleanor de waited patiently for the note from Philip telling them where they would find the coach. By noon, there was still no word, but Sophia Dorothea was resolute. She would wait for the count signal. But by that evening, when her children still had not come to say goodnight, she grew worried and tried to leave her apartments and was informed that she was under house arrest. Philip had sent most of their love letters off to his sister, Aurora, for safekeeping. But the most recent ones, the ones that involved their treasonous plans to run off to Wolfenbüttel, were found at his apartments. His apartments that he allegedly had not returned to the night before. Count Platten, the prime minister of Hanover, showed the letters to Sophia Dorothea's parents. When Sophia Dorothea's mother, Eleanor de Bruz, begged George William to take pity on his daughter, he replied that he never remembered having a daughter. Wow. Oof. Yeah. Wow. Father of the year. <laughs> Father of the Jesus. year. After two weeks of house arrest, Sophia Dorothea was interrogated, and when she demanded to know where Philip Koenigsmark was, she was informed that Count von Königsmark was dead. Murderers, they have murdered him, Sophia Dorothea was said to have screamed, A family of murderers. Have pity and let me go. I can't stay here any longer. Sophia Dorothea was sent back to Silla, but not to her father's court. Instead, to the castle of Alden, which I have a picture of.
1: Ooh, of the actual castle? Of
0: the actual castle. It's less like a castle and more like a stately home. Thank you for warning me. Yeah.
1: To get my expectations in check. (laughs) castle yeah. makes it
0: sound like a palace yeah it's still nicer than you know anything that any of us live in but it is not she is not <laughs> in the lap of luxury oh, here
2: yeah there's
1: an arch there's an arch
2: that's,
0: that's, <laughs> that's <pretty laughs> there, there's
2: an
1: arch it's pretty costly
2: it i mean it's not there's that. a
1: little lake beside it i would it. definitely take it yeah oh it has a moat oh it has a moat
0: That's castle Yeah,
1: if you click through the photos, there's like an actual note. Oh. Dope. Okay, that's a castle. It's It's a castle castle It's (laughs) It's just
0: a small castle. It's a very little castle. (laughs) castle. (laughs) It's a castle. At the Castle of Alden, she was ordered to serve an indefinite sentence under house arrest with no visitors. She was 28 years old. Eleanor de Naysbeck was interrogated and threatened with torture and life imprisonment, but refused to narc on Sophia Dorothea. Naysbeck's story was that while Sophia Dorothea's relationship with Count von Koenigsmark was romantic, it was never sexual, and Sophia Dorothea remained sexually faithful to George Louis. For her role in the affair, Eleanor de Naysbeck was sentenced to solitary confinement in the fortress of Schwarzfeld. Jesus.
2: That sounds not nice.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I believe Eleanor de Naysbeck was 10 years older than Sophia Dorothea. Like, exactly. So so she would have only been 38 when she was sentenced to solitary confinement.
3: Oh, yikes.
0: On December 28th, 1694, George Louis obtained a divorce from Sophia Dorothea. She lost her titles and her name and was erased from official documents, as if she'd never existed at all. Under the terms of their divorce, all of Sophia Dorothea's money, that hefty dowry, also remained in in the hands of the Hanovers. Philip von Koenigsmark's disappearance did not go unnoticed. The count was handsome and popular, and rumors of murder quickly swirled around the courts of Europe. Aurora von Koenigsmark, technically exiled from Hanover, came marching... Write the fuck back when she hadn't heard from her brother in a few weeks. I also stan Aurora so hard. Mm -hmm. When Ernst August once again turned her way, she goes to see Philip's old buddy, Augustus the Elector of Saxony Saxony from Dresden, who immediately falls head over heels in love with Aurora because she's iconic. So (laughs) Augustus the Strong of Saxony is on the case trying to find out what happened to his old friend, his girlfriend's brother. Like he starts a true crime podcast. Like he is fucking. I love him. <laughs> he's, he's like, Oh, I'm going to. Sorry. What's it. his name? Uh, Augustus the strong.
1: Uh, um, Okay. That's amazing. Yeah. Daddy, that's like, that's way better than Sarah Koenig.
0: I'm Augustus the strong. And this is cereal. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there we go. Thank you. That's just. It was perfect. Just.
0: Just lean lean in really close. We'll and put have to in just, the like,
1: serial theme song directly just ASMR.
0: after a little bit of just like <laughs> just like a little bit of vo- vocal fry, but only enough to like let you know that I'm like young, but I'm still journalist. professional. <laughs> so Augustus the Strong, he's on the case. He's trying to find out what happened to his old friend, his girlfriend's brother, and he sends a letter to Hanover that was basically like, hey, so like the last time anyone saw this guy alive, he was headed to Hanover. What happened to him? And the Hanoverian government responds that he was a, quote, debauched, rambling spark who kept irregular hours and consequently it is next to an impossibility to give an account of what may become of him. So they were like, he's a deadbeat. So we, fuck, we don't know. Augustus the Strong didn't buy that. And he kept pressing the issue and kept pressing the issue until Ernst August and George William went and tattled to daddy Holy Roman Emperor <laughs> and started threatening that they would withdraw their troops and the Emperor's were with France if he didn't make Augustus stop asking them if they did a murder. <laughs> so the Holy Roman Emperor is like, Augustus the Strong, please shut up. Uh, And eventually the investigation into Philip's disappearance ran cold and the rumors died out. For the first year of Sophia Dorothea's imprisonment, she was not even permitted to take walks outside. But when her health started to fail, George Louis remembered the fortune teller's prediction that if he brought about his wife's death, he would die within the year. And he started permitting her to take regular walks. As a royal prisoner, Sophia Dorothea was granted a rather substantial allowance, which she used to help the nearby village of Alden. She repaired the cottages of the poor, she paid for a village school teacher, and when some of the village burned down, she paid for new buildings and wider streets.
1: Um that's dope.
0: I know. She was like, What the fuck else am I gonna do with this money? That's Might as well help the poor. After four years, Sophia Dorothea was permitted letters and visits from her mother, but she was still not permitted to see her children. Her son, George, never forgave George Louis for imprisoning his mother. As a teenager, he allegedly once broke off from a hunting party and rode all the way to Alden to see his mother, but was barred entrance and punished severely when he got back to Hanover. It's so sad
2: that's like the cutest rebellious thing you ever hear a teenager do my, like i'm gonna go my teenage you my rebellion mom. is i'm
1: gonna poke go you talk dad. to my mom i
0: know it's so cute yeah, he, so he missed her <laughs> on his little horse because he would have been only what like eight when she was imprisoned yeah he would have been young
1: that's a far i'm yeah. assuming right <laughs> it seems like a
0: far ride <laughs> I think I, I'm not sure. I think it was like 30 miles or something. That's a long way to ride on a fucking horse. That horse was tired.
1: When I find out what a mile is, and you're you're jumping, you're
2: you're like, and it's, he was probably galloping pretty yeah. fast because he wanted to get there before his dad could stop him. So he's like junk is getting hit Oof. over and over again as he goes up and down. Poor the horse, boy. like,
0: yeah, that's rough. Poor boy. After four years in solitary confinement at Schwarzfels, a family friend of Eleanor de Nesbeck's, disguised as a roofer, drilled a hole into the roof from which Eleanor escaped. Mm -hmm. Handcuffed body to body with her rescuer, the two repelled 180 feet down prison walls and Castle Rock, (gasps) where her brother-in-law and a few men were waiting to rescue her. And there's actually an illustration of the escape. Ooh, yeah, Yeah. show me. I'm I'm sending it now. Okay, this should be the illustration of the escape. It looks like so dramatic. I need this HBO series like now. It's tiny, right. but like you can see the um, the the rope off the on the left hand side. Oh,
2: yeah, you can.
1: <laughs> the little stick figure. So exciting. She's zooming in. I know. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. I love this.
0: Everyone grew older. As Sophia Dorothea's father, George William, neared the end of his life, he often spoke of visiting her at Alden and repairing their relationship. Herman writes, One day in 1705, the Duke decided resolutely that he would visit her the following day, but oddly enough, that night he suddenly died. Upon her father's death, George Louis inherited all of his property. As the years passed and her children grew into adulthood, Sophia Dorothea hoped that they might be able to advocate for her release. Her daughter, Sophia Dorothea the Younger, married Frederick William of Prussia and became Queen of Prussia. And Sophia Dorothea undertook a secret correspondence with her daughter, hoping that her new son in law might be able to assist. But sadly, he was even more of an abusive husband than George Louis had been, and Sophia Dorothea, the younger, was too terrified to attempt to rescue her mother. Allegedly, he carried around like a cane with like a a big knot on the end, and he would just like beat his family members bloody with it.
2: Jesus.
0: The fuck? Yeah. However, as one small act of rebellion... Sophia Dorothea the Younger did end up employing Sophia Dorothea's old confidante, Eleanor Denise Beck, as her lady-in-waiting. <gasps> she came back! Yes! Mm-hmm. Denise! She escaped, She went. she lived her life for a little while, and then she traveled to Prussia and became her friend's daughter's lady-in-waiting. And one can imagine that the younger Aww. Sophia Dorothea, who had only been seven years old when her mother was imprisoned, was eager to hear stories from her former friend.
2: She's like your mom got down with this one guy a lot. (laughs) Yeah,
0: your mom, your mom got her (laughs) pussy eight. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I know she she hasn't had sex in the last thirty years, but she had enough sex (laughs) in those first twenty eight to really make up for it. Clara Elizabeth von Platten died on January thirtieth, seventeen hundred. Uh On her deathbed, she confessed to the murder of Count Philip von Koenigsmark, as did several palace guards on their own deathbeds. In 1714, Queen Anne of Great Britain died childless. Did you guys see the favorite? I did not. No. No. (laughs) God damn it. Um, Then. This doesn't matter. Anybody listening to this, the favorite uh, that that's that Queen Anne, that Queen Anne from the favorite uh, with all with all the bunnies. <laughs> that that's the Queen Anne we're talking about. Uh, God, you guys should see the favorite. It's so good. So the British Parliament skipped over fifty-seven Catholics in the British line of succession before they landed on a Protestant Prince George Louis of Hanover.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So Prince George Louis. Sophia Dorothea's ex-husband becomes Great Britain's George I, a deeply unpopular king who never learned a word of English in his whole goddamn <laughs> life. An Englishman once said of him, "George I could not have been such a bad man for he for he never hated but three people: his mother, his wife, and his son. <laughs> When George Louis moves to the English court, he brings with him uh, two mistresses, Melusina von Schulenberg and Countess Platten's daughter, Sophia Charlotte, who was as short and round as Melusina was, thin and tall. So he was like basically just dating the two aunts from James and the Giant Peach. (laughs) And good for him.
2: (laughs) Good for him. As is his right.
0: I got the best of both worlds. I got like a a skinny tall bitch and I've got a, a thick girl. Herman, in her account, also notes that uh, given Countess Platon was his father's mistress, there's a non zero chance that George Louis was fucking his half sister. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so much incest in this story. <laughs> So oh much incest. God. Like, it's we their expect favorite. it between cousins. They, they love it, it so, so m- much. That's why they all look so they all weird. They so weird. Caitlin, that's why they don't have eyelashes. They have no it. They
3: spread it out.
2: And no eye <eyelashes.
0: laughs> Not their dusty oh eyeballs, because they bred out all of the eyelashes. <laughs> <He's just>
1: gone. <laughs> oh, just blinking out lid. <laughs> <Like,
2: laughs> they just have those, like, little um, membranes that lizards have. They <laughs> just come out
0: of the sides really quick. <laughs> In 1722, Sophia Dorothea's mother, Eleanor Dolbrus, died, leaving her completely alone.
3: Mm.
0: Sophia Dorothea would live for four more years before dying at the age of 60 on November 13th, 1726. She'd spent 32 years imprisoned at Alden. To quote Herman, her last days were painful ones, her bright spirit burning away in fever, screaming in agony as she called out for divine vengeance against her husband, her torturer, her executioner. Before she died, she asked for a quill and paper and wrote one last terrible letter. For two months, her coffin lay in a room in the castle of Alden. Only at the persistent urgings of the superstitious Melusina, who saw the dead woman's angry spirit circling the palace in the form of a crow, did George command her body to be tossed into the family crypt below the church of Sella. As the months passed, he slept poorly and became nervous— he decided that he needed a rejuvenating visit to his native Hanover. When he arrived at the German border in June of 1727, the letter Sophia Dorothea had written him on her deathbed was delivered to him. In it, she cursed him for his cruelty and promised to meet him before the tribunal of God a year and a half – a year and a day after her death. George Louis promptly suffered a stroke and died, and the fortune teller's prophecy proved correct.
1: Nice. (laughs) Sinister magic. I love it.
0: Also, like um I didn't put this in my notes, but like um so Melusina von Schulenberg thought that she saw Sophia Dorothea circling as a crow. Um after George Louis's death, she would say that um he came and visited her regularly as a little bird and she'd speak to him, which is like absolutely buttfuck insane, but also really cute.
1: Um Okay, my stepmother told me that my grandmother comes back as a bird. Aw. And it's
0: very cute.
1: I was very stoned when she was explaining like about this like dove that comes and sits outside her window. And then she was like, and he has a little partner. I'm like, is that her husband?
0: She's like <laughs> cheating, cheating in bird
1: form? Him. Does she <laughs> sleep in the yard? Yeah. <laughs> Is she laying eggs? This is so weird when you actually like think about it. Like, oh, is she shitting on the
2: lawn?
0: I think it's quite like, it's quite common to be like, oh, my loved one visits me as a bird or my loved one visits me as a, as a butterfly. And I think that's fine. I think this, what makes Melusina a little like. Weird here is she thinks everybody visits her as a bird. Yeah, she's also like, like <laughs> she's like, that crow. lady who hates me is circling as, yeah, she's circling as a crow <laughs> and she won't let me sleep. You have to bury her. Like, okay, yeah. Melissina, we need to go, we need to go see the doctor because,
3: <laughs> right? Yeah, my, gra-
2: my grandmother did that too when her, uh, her boyfriend died because she had a, like, a, a live in partner for a very long time. Uh, and when he died, she's claimed that he came back as a chickadee, and then later had a chickadee girlfriend. <laughs> I was like, okay, Grammy, <laughs> <laughs> okay,
0: okay, Grammy. Well, it's like, sure. <laughs> it seems like he moved on, and so should you, right? <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. She
2: doesn't listen to this podcast. You
0: can leave that in. <laughs> Upon George Louis's death, Sophia Dorothea's son became Great Britain's George II. Had his mother outlived his father, George II would have released her and she would have become Queen Dowager of Great Britain. Unable to do so, he commanded that he be given all of the documents related to his parents' divorce. And upon learning of his mother's adultery, he burned the evidence, including hundreds of letters between Sophia Dorothea and Philip von Koenig's mark. But... Philip's sister Aurora still he- held on to many of their letters nearly 1400 pages worth oh. which are today preserved at the University of Lund in Sweden
2: Sorry so uh, so in theory there are even hornier letters that we are just not uh, able to to read today yeah even that are dirtier Mhm
1: They're like those letters are still damp to this day
2: They're <laughs> still damp
3: to this day
0: <laughs> <laughs> Literally, it's just like, some of them just crumbled because they were so constrained. Just, <laughs> just like pick them up and then, they're just cracked in half. <laughs> the uh, Yeah, like we, uh, all of the letters where they were planning to escape, we don't have. Um, and there's actually like, there's, um, there has been a an argument that i i don't think most historians are um on board with that like maybe the ones that are in lund are just forgeries and that they never actually planned that they were never having an affair and like um this was all just like forged to like i guess put her in prison for no reason um obviously like that's most people think that they were having an affair like Occam's razor, because <laughs> yeah. there's a bunch of love letters. Somebody didn't write over a thousand pages that, worth that, of love letters. That would letters be quite the to, like, effort to like
2: sit there with a quill and parchment, and, and you like
0: you didn't have to do that much to put your wife in prison back then. Right. You could just do right. it because you wanted to. You be like yeah. her
2: womb scares me, and just throw her. <laughs> yeah, in. her womb is haunted. <laughs> exactly, that's, that's what they much... they called it.
0: <laughs> do we think George Louis had the patience to write fourteen hundred no. pages right. worth of love letters? Like, this man probably didn't have the patience to write his own fucking name.
1: Do we know <laughs> that he could? <laughs>
0: like, I don't know. I he he head, never so, learned yeah. how to speak English. He was yeah. the English king and he never spoke it's a word like, of screw English. Screw that. <laughs> Rumors swirled for centuries that the remains of the Swedish count lay buried under the floorboards of the Lina Palace at Hanover. And in 2016, an excavation revealed a possible burial site of what appeared to be human remains, but genetic testing revealed the bones to be the remains of several different non-human animals. No. So, I don't know what was going on there. Like, people were just Hanover. burying a bunch of animals. Answer for yourself. What weird shit were you
3: doing? Sophia
1: do? Dornarina is like skinning cats as a kid and throwing them <laughs> in the Probably
2: the Countess Platin.
0: She was doing some, like, witchcraft. <laughs> <laughs> well, she had to get that coat made of a hundred Dalmatian puppies somewhere. <laughs> the exact fate and final resting place of Philip von Koenig's mark remains a mystery. But Sophia Dorothea's final resting place is in the crypt of St. Mary's Church of Selle. To quote Herman one last time, the visitor enters through a trapdoor next to the altar. It is a small low space with thick walls and the smell of mildew. Lead coffins are pushed together three rows deep, imposing coffins set atop wide legs, ornamented with engravings of angels and coats of arms upon their lids. On the side, away from the great ones, is a low, narrow coffin, very plain and utterly alone. In it is all that is left of Sophia Dorothea. Even in death she was punished. Her coffin had to be lower than those of her exalted relatives. And yet, it is the only one on which visitors place fresh flowers daily. The glorious caskets of her relatives remain in- eternally unadorned. All their palaces built to sing their praises forever were reduced to rubble by the fire bombing of 1943. But the unhappy tale of a miserable girl still moves us. We make pilgrimage to her crypt to lay flowers on her small, mean coffin. Perhaps her spirit had its day at the tribunal of God with George Louis. And a loving reunion with her Koenigsmark. mark. As he had written her so many years earlier, it is better to die than to live without being loved.
2: The end Damn Hoots.
0: <laughs> everyone,
2: everyone applaud. Everyone applaud at home. Everyone applaud. I don't I
0: clap you word. in the room. Just do it. Do it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Respect the Dead. You can follow Respect the Dead on Instagram and Twitter at underscore Respect the Dead.
2: If you want to follow us individually, you can find our socials in the show notes. And you should check out our YouTube channels. We don't shit on dead people there as often,
0: but still, we're making tons of cool stuff.
1: If you enjoyed Respect the Dead and would like to support us, there's a couple of ways to do that.
0: You can give us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you found us. If you leave us a review, we can read it out on the podcast. Reviews are the best way for new listeners to discover the show. Give us at least five stars and then share us with a good friend who likes venting about dead people.
1: You can also give us some money over on our Patreon. Patreon supporters get some cool bonus content like bloopers from the cutting room floor and even coming up with a fake sponsor ad that we'll read in an episode. It has to be a fake business though, not your MLM, honey.
2: Thanks so much for listening. Join us every Monday for our next Worm Feast.
1: I'm Kellen Conrad.
0: I'm mainly Mandy. And I'm Hoots. Bye. Bye.